friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your show for IT professionals, managed service providers, where we try to bring you products, stories, and tips, all in the effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Today, I have a little bit of a different conversation with a new friend of mine, Franklin Taggart, and we're going to talk about what everybody else is talking about, AI and chat GPT. So let's go ahead and get started. Franklin, how are you, sir? Uh, it's a good day, Marvin. It's a good day, man. It is a good day. Well, it's an okay day because it rained here in Florida. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> My but, wife's down there right now trying to get her parents' house all squared away for sale. Uh, she said every time she turns around, it seems like the, the, the sky is opening up. Yeah, it is that time of year, you know, April showers, May showers, right before <laughs> hurricane season. So, and they just pop up here and there, 10, 15 minutes and go. Yeah. But uh, is she is she on one of the coasts? I can't remember which side of the state you said uh, she was on. She's she's right near you. She's in Sunrise. Oh, yeah, she's right down the road. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, so Sunrise. Right in the middle of the rain. Yep. Well, Franklin, let me explain how we met so that people understand. Um, You and I are both podcasters, and we have been attending a monthly podcast mixer where I don't think it's really a podcast mixer. It's really just a networking thing where all different uh, people from walks of life have kind of gathered our good friend Kat uh, who I've tried to get on the show as well, uh, yeah. leads it. And it's a pretty good time. It is a good time. The, the mixers are a lot of fun. They they did start out originally as a, a way for podcast guests and hosts to meet. But they've it's grown a lot since then. And now there are just a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs of all kinds of, you know, walks showing up for it. It's, it, it's one of my favorite events of the month. No, that's good to hear. And uh, so I had gone a while back, I don't know, maybe a year, and then I missed some time, and I've been back the last few months and have gotten a lot of people that have reached out and said, hey, I think I have you know somebody that you should meet or we have some similar interests and stuff. So I, I appreciate it. Got the chance to meet you one-on-one, even though you know we kind of flew by each other in the mixer. <laughs> You yeah. don't really have a lot of time, but uh, we got together and, and chatted. And I got very interested when you talked about the fact that you wrote a book <laughs> and not just any book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use the term wrote a book pretty loosely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I made a book. I yeah. didn't write it. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, of course, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, about chat GPT. I mean, AI seems to be as big a topic as Bitcoin was a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe even bigger because I think it has so much more of an impact on our lives. So before we get to the book, I, I want to yeah. ask you, what was it that, I don't know, the word inspired or you know prompted you to take on this project? Well, that's a good question. I- I have been interested in AI for years as far as just reading about it, keeping up with like new changes and stuff like that. I'm certainly not an expert on it and I don't, I can't really claim to understand it all the way, 
that it has been fascinating for a long time. Um, when chat GPT was announced, I, I remember starting to hear about it in like December and January. Um, and I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. This, you know, didn't realize we were quite this close <laughs> to the language models. Right. And when they announced it, I thought, wow, that, that sounds like kind of, you know, that sounds cool. And then I got on it and started playing around with it. And all of a sudden it's like, I started to realize this this is, we, we've passed the point of no return. It's, it's pretty serious <laughs> stuff, and, and Skynet is a lot closer than we think. Oh, man. Yeah, well, yeah, every every science fiction thing that we've ever seen now seems more of a reality than ever, you know. But I, I think one of the things that, that really struck me was that my first experiment with ChatGPT was to just write, um, like, three lists of bullet points for a sales page big part of the work that I do, you know, writing copy for internet websites, landing pages, you know, e-sales, that kind of thing. And generally these kinds of lists take me a couple of hours to, to work out. Well, I had given the prompt to chat GPT and I said, I need to have a bullet list for this, a bullet list for this and a bullet list for this. And it cranked those lists out in like less than 10 seconds. And um, all I had to do is some very, very minor edits. And those lists were ready for my sales page. And I had the realization in that moment, I, I, I thought, this really does change everything. You know, and so many people that I work with are copywriters and graphic designers and, and people who are going to use this technology. It's going to streamline their process, but it's going to be something else too that is really disruptive to a lot of industries in the creative realm. Yeah. It has been a big topic in our industry for those of us that are supporting business clients. And of course the first thought is we can use it to leverage our tools and our skills, uh, helping us write scripts. Uh, But I've been using it, in kind of like a starter kit way to talk to my clients and have conversations. How do I explain this to the average end user who's not techie? Oh yeah. Right. uh, In that sense. But I started to think in recent weeks, you know, those same clients and end users might be using it (laughs) to be asking the question, how do I do this without an IT guy? Well, that's the reality that we're all now starting to to face and wonder about. Yeah. And I, I feel like that, you know, it's legitimate. That is a legitimate question to ask. And so many things could be affected by it. You know, um, is it going to, is it going to replace search as our way of finding information? Is it going to enhance search? Right now it seems to be enhancing search, but is it just going to be all in all in a, a replacement to search? Ultimately, um, you know, what is it, what implications does it have for entertainment? What implications does it have for education? It's like, we've got a lot of questions to answer. Yeah. And I think the thing that was really interesting to me is that I had all of these questions already, but now those questions took on kind of an urgency that they hadn't before. And I thought, you know, if I properly researched this and, you know, went through and answered all of those questions with, you know, with the kind of research that you would want to put by behind a book, well, it would take me a couple of years. 
So one afternoon I was just, I was at home and I was working on chat GPT, just kind of trying some things out with it. I thought, I wonder what might happen if I just take all of the questions that I've collected and put them into chat GPT and see what happens. Less than two hours later, I had 17,000 words and I was, um, I was then on my way looking at uh, Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing to find out how to publish this as a book. Oh, my. So let's go back to that process. So let me – actually, let me do this. Let me first say you're not necessarily a tech. Uh, you not have, exactly. You have, I, I love tech, but I'm not a tech. Because <laughs> uh, you mentioned doing some stuff on websites and stuff. So I need to at least let the listeners know that you're not running around in the same circles as us you know, supporting business clients, doing networks and servers and, and all of that stuff. Correct. And your actual, from what I gather, a lot of your background is actually in music. That that has been my longest career. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was a performing musician from 1979 until last year. And uh, my music career had been disrupted by, you know, other things kind of, over and over and over again throughout the years. But that was the one that I laid claim to the longest. Okay. Yes. All right. So I wanted to give people a little background that you, you weren't somebody like me, you know, sitting around bored one afternoon waiting for a server, you know, installation and started playing around. But yeah, so you did that and your 17,000 words turned into a book called straight from the bot's mouth, a conversation yeah. with chat GPT about artificial intelligence. That's right, yeah. So you mentioned that you had all these questions already. So were th- was this like a list you just were happening to, to keep for yourself for other reasons or? Largely, yeah. Um, I think the more that I heard about AI and the developments that were happening, the more I started to wonder, like, okay, if, you know, they were pro- they were starting to project that, you know, up to 30% of human jobs could be replaced by AI by 2030. And I thought, wow, if you, if you remove 30% of humans from the labor force, what does that, what does that imply for the economy? So I just started to freak out a little Hmm. and I started to just have these questions and say, these are questions that I really want answers to. I want to, I want to understand, you know, what, what this what the impact of this is going to be on virtually every part of our lives and um i'm especially interested in you know how how will creative people make a living now you know if if the skill that it took for them to do what they needed to do can now be copied by a machine in seconds where it took them hours or days or weeks what what does that imply for their ability to make a living from their from their skills? So those are all kinds of questions that kept popping up for me. And as a, as AI started to show up a little bit more, you know, ChatGPT, like I said, was that was the point where I said, okay, we've reached the point of no return. This is this is going to be everywhere, all at once. Right. <laughs> You know, and and we're going to have to make some decisions about it. I was particularly, you know, interested to to understand how government is going to respond to this. I don't know that they're equipped to respond to something 
of this nature that happens so quickly and that they don't understand the language. It has been interesting. I know that in recent news, we've heard, you know, schools having an issue with, you know, they would run term papers through, you know, these tools that will use artificial intelligence to see if they're the student's words or they ripped it from somewhere. And yeah. I read an article, and I don't even, I don't know if it was here in Florida or somewhere, where almost half of the class was failed because it was mistakenly identified as artificial intelligence when they weren't. So that's one issue. And of course, you mentioned the legal issue. Uh, Even when I signed into ChatGPT, I think yesterday, it's the first time I had signed in in a while, it has all these disclaimers now that, hey, stuff on here might not be correct. It has disclaimers and the, I think... The time that I put together all of the questions for the book, now if I went in there and asked all of those questions at once, first of all, they would they would put a limit on the number of questions that they would allow me to ask. Back then, I could ask 50 or 60 questions, and it wouldn't put any kind of a lid on that. Right. Now, I think, you know, for the free version, I think you can ask up to 20 questions. Hmm. Right. And they're... They're also, I think, they're answering questions a little bit more cautiously than they did at that time. So two weeks ago, I was in a conversation with somebody, and we asked GPT what it thought about artificial intelligence, and it kind of hedged on on the answer. Yeah. Um, now, was the, were this the same type of question that you were asking of Chat GPT, like what it thought? of itself or artificial intelligence? That was it largely. Yeah. I I just, I took my questions pretty much verbatim. Like um, what impact is artificial intelligence going to have on the economy? Um, Which industries are going to be disrupted first? Um, You know, how long would it be before artificial intelligence uh, replaced a significant number of human laborers? You know, and those were questions that I asked. Now, they were a little bit general ever since then. Now, everybody's become much more adept at writing prompts. And I certainly wasn't. I was just putting in the questions that I had right. pretty much as I would ask them to anybody. Now, the book looks like it was put on Amazon. And that's the link I'll put in the show notes for everyone yeah. on February 26th. I assume that you had asked these questions well before that. Uh how far back did you start this project? Well, the book project happened in six days. Like from the time that I sat down with chat GPT until the book was published was six days. Wow. time. But like I said, I've been, I've been wondering about AI and how, how it's going to impact um, the way that we live and the way that we do things. And especially the way that we work. I've been wondering about that for years. Um, as a musician, I've seen the music industry disrupted by technology many times over the 40 years and plus that I've been in the music business. You know, going all the way back to in the in the 1980s, there was a technology that was introduced called MIDI that allowed you to connect synthesizers with each other. And it allowed one person to basically control an entire orchestra's worth of instruments at one time. And over the next few years, that decimated the studio music uh, 
opportunities that were available for people like me, you know, in college I could get, I could get a lot of nice studio work and pay, paid great money. And that was gone within a matter of a few years after MIDI was introduced. So was that, so if I'm remembering my music video days, is that where you saw the person that was surrounded, you know, three tiers of, you know, synthesizers, you know, two rows, you know, like six to eight, that's what that was where they were connecting all of those through a MIDI. Yes. And that all started to happen right in the middle of the eighties. Um, synthesizers and MIDI were the technology of that time, digital synthesizers in particular, and that changed everything for, for a, a certain tier of middle-class earning professional musicians. It changed everything for that group of people. And then, you know, we had Napster come along in the nineties <laughs> Napster and streaming, <laughs> streaming yep. came along and, you know, it's like, um, I just, one of the first things that I joined when I released my CD in 2001 was a, a company called CD Baby. And CD Baby was a way that you could actually have national distribution of your CD online. And they just sent out an announcement this week that they're discontinuing physical products and they're only going to do streaming. So that has disrupted the music business as well. It's like, Streaming technology has made music available on a much more wide basis, but it's also taken a pretty significant source of income for musicians out of the mix because they they relied on physical products like LPs and CDs to be a significant part of their income. Yeah, I think that's a lot different than changing mediums, you know, going from eight tracks to cassette tapes to CDs. You still had that physical medium. You still had distribution. You still had a lucrative business model. Yeah. Digital music (laughs) is cheap. It's it's, it's extraordinarily, it it is, yes, cheap, cheap, cheap. And well, the home recording thing also, I'm going to tell you, I love home recording. I think it's the greatest thing ever. And it's made it possible so that any kid with a a MacBook and a bedroom can have a recording studio and and they, they can record, you know, broadcast quality things in their, in their room at home. So it's like that seeing those kinds of technological changes and the impact that they had on the music business, as I, as I tried to make a living as a musician, Naturally, when AI started to come along, it started to raise my, you know, my questions again and concerns that I had, because this time I saw it really crossing over into a lot of other industries besides just music. It was affecting all of the creative industries. That's that is true. Now, let me ask the back end question before I ask some other ones. What's been the type of response that you've gotten from people that have read the book? Well, the thing that I always tell them is this is not a good book. This is not, this is not great literature. It's 135 pages of a robot talking. <laughs> That's not going to be, you know, all that intriguing. But the thing that I think it, there are two things that make it interesting. One of them is that the bot is telling us what it's trained to know. And so it knows what humans already know about AI. It's just, it's repeating back to us what we really 
already suspected all along about AI and it's, and the impact that it's going to have. So I think it's really interesting to see the consistency with which it answers. And it doesn't really tell us anything that we didn't already know. It just confirms what we already suspected. Right. Right. So the other thing that I think is very interesting about the book, there are a lot of people that are scared of artificial intelligence. I think part of it is that there's a lot of misinformation about it. You know, if you go on YouTube right now and put AI in there, you're going to get probably nine out of 10 feeds are going to be fear mongering. Like AI is taking over the world and none of us are safe kind of things. Right. Well, that kind of information right now isn't all that helpful. And I wanted to have something out there that showed people what the experience was actually like so that they could have an experience without having to, you know, go boot up and, and try it for themselves. I want people not to be afraid of this. I want people to actually understand as much as they can. And I want them to be able to, to work with it in a way that is constructive rather than fearful. I don't think we, I don't think we're going to get anywhere if we enter into this thing with a lot of fear. Isn't a lot of AI just a reiteration or an evolution of what we've always done? I mean, think back to now I'm going to age both of us, I think, (laughs) but the days when we had to do a, a research paper in school And we had to go to our Encyclopedia Britannica, which were physical books that we had to beg our parents to buy. And they weren't cheap. No. But they sat in a bookcase in the living room or den, and that's where we had to go. And as time has evolved, we've gone to, you know, the internet and where we could research stuff faster. We didn't have to go to those books. And those books weren't updated you had to get a whole new set yeah. of books if you wanted to to get any new information. So then we, you know, along came the internet, you know, bulletin boards and Google. AI is just, in my estimation, one of the next steps. AI has been around since the 50s, and we just haven't realized that it's been in use that long. And for anybody who's had a smartphone, you've had AI in your pocket for 10 years. You know? Yeah. Um, it's like... What, what do you think that that program is that offers you suggestions as you're doing a text message? Um, what do you think that program is that, you know, automatically, you know, does your punctuation for you or automatically adds space to your text as you're writing? It's like we've had AI things going on for a long time already. We just didn't realize that that's what it was. Um, we've had voice recognition for, for a couple of decades now. I remember when um, I remember seeing some of the first voice recognition software. This was probably late nineties, early two thousands. And it's gotten even more incredibly accurate since then. That was before that was before dragon naturally speaking. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) It was, it was well before dragon. And I think dragon was one of the first instances where people went, oh, wow, this is really good. You yeah. know, this this quality is is passable. I think that this could do well. Now, one of the other areas that I've worked in is voiceover. Well, guess who started freaking out when Dragon started getting so good? Oh. All of the voiceover folks started to go, oh, my gosh, 
this could be negative for our industry. Wow. So it's it's an interesting time. AI has been around a while. I just don't think that it's been around in as powerful a form as we're seeing right now with things like ChatGPT, um, MidJourney, Dolly, um, even even editing programs like Descript are changing things. Yep. Now, going back to the process, while you were asking these questions, did it really feel like a conversation? In some ways it did, yeah. Um, as I read through the responses that came out, it, it felt like that it was answering me. There was a structure to it, like if there were like if there was a list of things it would number the list but the type of language that it used to respond to me didn't feel didn't feel like robotic it felt personal it felt like you know i was being answered by somebody that was a human on the other end hmm. was there an answer in any of the process that maybe surprised you or really made you pause? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, I think there were a couple of, there were a couple of answers that I looked at and I thought um, they were the ones in particular that had to do with um, what kind of long-term impact that um, AI and, and replacing human labor, what impact that would have on the value of currency. Oh, and they didn't give me a very clear answer on that, but they said, yes, they do anticipate that there would be um, a long-term lasting impact, probably negative on the value of currency and exchange. So that was one of the things that I didn't have a chance really to go very deep with that topic, but that was one that I was wondering more about after I finished the conversation. Well, sounds like it is going to be an interesting read. Now, you probably not as engaging as uh, some of the romance novels out there that uh, my yeah, wife likes to read. There is nothing romantic about this book. And like I said, don't expect great literature. I gave this thing a one star, and there's a reason for that. It's not a great book, but it is, I think it's important just for two reasons, because I don't want people to be afraid of AI. And I do want people to feel like that they can experience this thing and, and not feel like life is, you know, totally threatened by it. So I also want to take this opportunity to let people know that this isn't something that you just did out of left field. Part of your, uh, I guess mission now is to be sort of a life coach. Uh, you yeah. you do blogs and podcasts all about the human condition. You you mention a lot to do with the creative, yeah. In that regard, so let's take a few minutes and explain to people what you do. Okay, um, for in two thousand from like two thousand six until two thousand ten, my music career was interrupted by illness. And I was just totally at my wits end trying to make money because I had a little boy uh, that was around two, three years old at the time and a wife who was working her tail end off, you know, trying to support the family. And I was just doing whatever I could to make, you know, a little bit extra money. 
One of the things that started to happen during that time was that people who I knew started asking if I would help them kind of navigate doing a creative career shift. Like they wanted to maybe they wanted to try and book themselves and get gigs as a musician, or they wanted to be an artist and sell their art, or they wanted to publish a book or something like that. And it just kind of happened out of the blue. And I didn't even realize that what I was doing was coaching at first, but then somebody offered to pay me for my time. And I went, well, you know, you don't need to pay me. I mean, I just wanted to help out. And she said, no, you're coaching me. You're, you're, you're doing a professional service here. And I, I think you should be paid for it. So I had no idea what to ask her for in terms of payment. So she just, she gave me a check and I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. But over time, I started to get comfortable with the idea that coaching is what was going on. And as I went forward and as, you know, during that time when I got sick, um, it became a way to provide uh, some extra income for my family. I also, parallel to that, got really interested in all of the things that were going on online, from e-commerce to podcasting to online courses to blogging, all of those things. And I started to do those as well and make a little bit of money wherever I could uh, in the online realm. So ever since then, I luckily got healthy again, was able to return to music for another 10 years. But parallel to that, I've been doing coaching and digital marketing and, and things like that ever since then. Um, and the coaching has expanded to be more along the lines of helping people, you know, just get those projects done that they want to get done. The creative projects that they've been kind of putting on hold, whether it's a book or a record album or learning how to write songs or whatever. I just help them find a way to get it done. All right. Your website, franklintaggart.com. I will have the yeah. link uh, in the show notes. Um, and it has everything that you've mentioned there as well as uh, links to a podcast you do, uh, yeah. your own best company podcast. Your own best company. This is a podcast that I designed as a form of support and encouragement for people who love working alone. Um, it, it seemed like to me that uh, as an entrepreneur, I was getting a lot of pressure to build a team or an organization. And I, I really had a strong resistance and aversion to that. Um, partly because the work that I want to do is primarily creative work. And it's not work that I want to bring a team in on. It's work that I want to have to myself, you know? So the way I always tell people is that my podcast is for people who value solitude as much as they, as much as they like money. It's like for those people who love to have a door on their room that they can close and they can go in there, be uh, free with their tools and, and their imagination long enough to get something dangerous to happen. <laughs> something dangerous. Yeah, man. <laughs> or awesome. Uh, either way you look case, at maybe. it. Yeah. Sometimes uh, both. Sometimes both. <laughs> uh, so, yep. So, folks, head over there, franklintaggart.com, and check yeah. out his coaching, check out his podcast. Uh, there's some other things on there, uh, a blog, uh, some advice, uh, a lot of things that uh, you can learn from Franklin. Well, Franklin, yeah. thank you for taking a few minutes uh, out of your day to chat with me. I'll probably be looking to have you on again sometime in the future. 
And, Marvin, I appreciate uh, it so much. That'd be great. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this very special edition of the IT Business Podcast. Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com and find all the show links there. If you'd like to reply back to anything you've heard here, use the contact page there and subscribe and get notified anytime we put out new content, audio or visual. So thank you to Franklin for hanging out here. We'll be back with another episode real soon. And until then, Allah.